0: We all love movies but the world of entertainment has been shifting over the years and now our options are broader than ever before we may be waiting for movie theaters to reopen but in the interim we've got netflix hbo max amazon prime disney plus hulu apple tv plus cbs all access and more to keep us busy we've got more incredible movies to be excited about and discuss than ever before so let's dig in welcome to the film board On this episode, we are talking about Chloe Zhao's new movie featuring Frances McDormand, roving around the country, Nomadland.
1: You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. And they sometimes call you nomads. My
2: mom says that you're homeless. Is that true?
0: No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I was a substitute teacher.
2: It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider early retirement.
0: I need work. I like work.
1: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven,
2: eight.
1: Welcome to Badlands Spa.
0: What the nomads are doing is not that different than what the pioneers did.
1: Hey, Fern. you got to make the hole bigger. <laughs>
0: I think Fern's part of an American tradition.
1: Oh, no, He's going to come right through the
0: glass. My dad used to say, what's remembered lives. I maybe spent too much of my life
1: Fern. just remembering.
2: One of the things I love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye. I've met hundreds of people out here, and they don't ever say a final goodbye. They just say, I'll I'll see you down the road. And I do. I see them again. And I can be certain in my heart, I'll see you again.
0: My name is Andy Nelson, host of The Next Reel, and today I'm chatting with two hosts from various Next Reel properties to get their thoughts on this movie so we can share them with all of you. Steve. Hey, everybody. Great to be here. And Tommy. Hey, everybody. Great to be here. That's my Steve impression. (laughs) Wow. It sounded so good. Thank you. As we say on The Next Reel, when the movie ends, our conversation begins. So let's talk. Tommy, Nomadland. No,
2: Madland. I purposefully, even though I watched the trailer on a sat mat that we had done for this, someone had picked it, or even I picked it. I have no idea. No one knows. Um, I don't think I picked it, but I did watch it. Past that, I've been really avoiding anything about reading about the film because I really wanted to sort of let it wash over me. And I cannot remember a the last time that such a quiet, patient movie was so enthralling. I thought from beginning to end, the time flew by and almost nothing is happening. And I just thought it was so beautiful. I thought it was a poem at times. I thought it was so timely about what's going on. I only knew about the Amazon camper force and I had forgotten about it because I read an article in wired magazine many years ago about them. That's the only reason they were sort of on my list. Um, This, I think it's an extraordinary cinematic experience, and it's such a proof of if you just have a star that can soak up the camera and be so interesting to look at and so fascinating, you can do so little and create so much. I thought this was an outstanding film.
0: Wow, fantastic. I know, right? (laughs) Steve, uh, what about you?
1: Well, uh, this this was a tough watch. For me, um, because I, I started in with okay, this is we're going to follow this woman, but then as we get further into the story, and, and as time says, not a lot happens. But the movie has so much to say. It, there's so many things that are going on that are a reflection on our our country. So there's that aspect of a generation that has been betrayed by corporate America and their struggle to survive. So there's there's that issue. Uh having parents that are that age. Um and then also my my father was basically a nomad for the last 20 years of his life. He he technically was homeless, but he he traveled around the world. So his his experience was a little bit less bleak uh than in this story. But yeah, he was basically a nomad. So I it was it just reminded me of a lot of the things that um, he really enjoyed about that, which was you get these unique opportunities, but uh, what is the cost of that? And so there's there was a lot for me to. I, I just watched it a couple hours ago, so it's still really fresh, and I'm still sifting through a lot of these things. Uh, it's one that I'm going to be thinking about for a long time and, and parsing out this this journey, this commentary, all of the aspects of this film. It's it's very powerful, and it is truly art that is able to say so much by being so simple
0: it is very simple the way the story is told and it just kind of uh, kind of unfolds i mean really that's that's how it happens throughout and i was really taken in by that simplicity and I kind of very easily fell under the spell, especially, I mean, it's so easy to with Frances McDormand as the person we're following. I mean, just watching her, I mean, there were, I was, I was, (laughs) I I did hit a point late in the film when it's something is happening and then the camera just turns and we just look at her face reacting to it or not reacting to it as the case may be. And I'm like, how many times have we seen her face doing this (laughs) in this film by this point? But I didn't care because it worked so well the way that it just, like her face was a mirror, and it was it was capturing so much and reflecting so much of everything going on, and I I really felt felt um, it was. I mean, it, I found it to be quite profound and and touching. And you know, I I don't um, you know, similar to your story, uh, Steve. My mom, she's not a nomad, and and she um, but she's she knows like she's in those circles with a lot of oh, people wow. who are like that. And like one of her friends is doing that. And I think he's down in Texas and he basically lives kind of in, in a motorhome park. And that's, you know, at least that's where he is at this particular point. And so it was just are they, it was are interesting. Are
2: they following work or it's just sort of an RV lifestyle? Because this well, is. I, and that's a this good treads, point. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. this sort of has legs in both and even like touches on just straight up homelessness with right. that one, with that one kid who she runs into twice. I
0: didn't mean to cut you off. I no, just no, want to, no. there's that's, like
2: three different things
0: happening. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, and that's a good point because I, I think that he, that his lifestyle, I mean, I, I mean, he's hit this point where I just don't think he's working anymore or if he is, he is taking odd jobs here and there. Okay. Um, but I think largely it's probably more just like the motor homing around life um, and then working as needed, but it's not like he has to work, you know, everywhere he right. So it is a little different, but I do feel like that there's a lot of those people, um, that have, you know, I guess I could say come in and out of my life because of, you know, knowing them mm-hmm. through my mom and stuff. So it's, sure. it's interesting to see yeah. it portrayed so honestly and, um, and powerfully on screen. And I, and just, I don't know, I, it really struck me. So, um, so I'm glad we get to a chance to kind of talk about it a little more. It was uh, it was a, it was a great experience. The structure of this film is, I mean, it is fairly meandering. We're following this woman, you know, I mean, it's over kind of the course of a couple years. It starts, we get some text at the beginning. It starts around 2011 after the United States Gypsum Corporation shut down their sheetrock business after 88 years in Empire, Nevada, which killed the town. And now it's a ghost town. The zip code was eliminated all of that, which I found to be a really interesting setup for this story. and then we learned that her husband had worked there, now she's out of work, and she's just basically kind of taken whatever jobs come and living out of her van. and that's kind of the start of our story. and then it's kind of a road movie, I guess, as we follow her around, trying to just find different places to work and stuff. I mean, how does this work? I mean, do you, do you feel like in context of us getting to know Fern, over the course of this type of a journey. I mean, how does
1: that work for you guys? For me, what helped kick that off was early on, We uh, it's, she has a conversation with with a woman that she's met at the, you know, where she, she's staying, and she tells her about there's this gathering in Quartzsite. And, oh, I'll give you a map. And Fern's like, no, I don't know. But that that sort of introduces her to this community of people that this is their lifestyle. So it's it's sort of her what i saw it as was that introduced her into the, there's people that embrace this lifestyle and so the way she's living is for lack of a better term it's it's acceptable it's okay there's other people doing that and that sort of gives her this justification that okay i can i can make this work there's other people that make this work and so it gives her that motivation that i see and then we sort of she follows the work. But for me, that that helped give it sort of the framework of what we were going to see of her exploration of this new new way of living life.
2: For me, I when I sort of I think maybe I mentioned in my initial thoughts, it was so long ago, I can't remember. Um, but when I said, like, I've just never I found it so enthralling and I was confused by why I was so enthralled at one point. And then I realized I don't remember when it was. I was like, oh, this is like a documentary. This couldn't be closer to a documentary. And when you go into a documentary, you're not looking for a real three-act structure. You're just sort of waiting. You're just sort of like following along. There's always going to be a conclusion, but just sort of wondering anything can just sort of happen and it feels viable and it feels like, well, that's okay. Cause that just happened. The amount of real, clearly real people, authentic nomads in this movie. It's like a Ben Affleck film in Boston. Like when you watch it, you're like, <laughs> yikes, so authentic. Um, but in a really good way um, uh, that that sort of robbed no, not robbed. It stripped away any need for a real forward movement or a direction. I had no idea how this movie was going to go. I had no idea how it was going to end. When David Strathairn showed up, I was like, "All right," because I had so like gotten into. I had forgotten that Francis McDormand was Francis McDormand. It is such an authentic, patient, weird docudrama, I mean, it just feels this close to a documentary. And so I'm sorry, I'm being overwordy, but that's why the meandering structure felt 100% natural, especially with those opening, you mentioned those opening title cards about a real thing that happened in a real town. And I looked it up just to make sure it did happen. (laughs) And so it's just like, and then it starts so slowly with her, like going through her possessions in that thing. It just, it, it is. It might as well be a documentary, and so that that's why I was absolutely fine with the meandering structure.
0: Did either of you see Into the Wild? Yes, Sean Penn's film about uh, Chris McCandless. I read it and I read the book and saw the movie. As I watched this, I kept thinking about elements of that story i mean i think that they're different films and i think uh sean penn took a different structure with that one because he definitely uses the flashback structure to kind of give us a better sense of his life and all this sort of thing and um but there were elements in this and maybe it's just because in that film just like this film there are connections with wandering people throughout that film. And, and I found that to be, I don't know. A f- I, well, I found that film incredibly affecting also, but I, I, there was something about the way it was done here where I think I maybe I just, well, maybe it's just because we're using so many real people that I really am just buying into this world so much. And not that I didn't buy it. I, I, maybe that's I, an odd comparison because I, I I still buy it in that one. But it also feels like, you know, you have uh, Catherine Keener and other people who are there were who pop up. you know a lot
2: more David Strathairns in yeah, right. What's His, <laughs> where you're being reminded more it's a movie, whereas we're inside of a Amazon packing plant. Where no one is inside of Amazon packing plants. And in the movie, I assume they only got the uh ability to do that because she – the filmmaker promised them, I'm not making a judgment. I'm following the workers. I'm not making – because it's a very controversial thing to be working like that in Amazon or to be a part of the Amazon uh, camp force. But no, I, I I agree that I think that this really had so many grounding elements. And one of the other ones, just because uh, you brought up into the wild is I love the scene between between Swanky and Frances McDormand when she, unlike anyone that uh, I, McCandless, who was the the,
0: McCandless, McCandless. McCandless met.
2: she was like, hey, you know, what's not a joke? Going out into the wild, like you need to know how to have tires. You need to have all of this stuff. And McCandless, uh, very sadly, famously died for just being ultimately unprepared and not knowing which berries were okay to eat. So that's also like it's a next evolution of that of like we've even grown from being nomads from before that there's such a, McCandless had such a beautiful vision of just going out and seeing the America and you just can't, do that anymore?
0: It's not quite well, and that was like what I loved about the scene you just described with Swanky and Fern is that that's just like still in practically just on the outskirts of town, right? She just has a flat tire just outside of town, right? And that is her her, her big uh, dilemma that she's stuck in, and I thought that was a great way to. It's not like she's out in the middle of nowhere and worried about surviving and stuff. No, it's, right. you know, it was it was a very simple way to get that point across, and
1: yeah, yeah. So it's it's funny you mentioned because I haven't seen Into the Wild, but it did remind me of two films we've talked about on Trailer Rewind: Lean on Pete, because we got the boy sort of like off on his own trying to find his way and he's just making it right, on his own right. sort of on the kindness of strangers and then also leave no trace we talk about living oh, off absolutely. living off the grid right of you know because we get that speech in quartzite about sort of the, that's the ben
2: foster movie that's yep. the ben sorry. foster movie Go yes. ahead. i'm sorry yeah. Go ahead.
1: but we've, we've got that scene in quartzite where they sort of talk about you know the america is the titanic and you know being the the workhorse that we we work to death and the woman t- tells the story about you know Know her husband who gets his retirement and you know doesn't get to enjoy you know everything that he worked so hard for and she's like you know forget I'm going to enjoy my life while I can uh, you know rather than I'm going to buy the boat and die you know ten days later before I get a chance to do it so it was it reminded me of Leave No Trace in that I'm going to take charge of my own life and not let. The rules of society dictate how I live, it. I'm gonna make my own choices. And I think that, that's an interesting again, as Tommy as you said, it's non-judgmental because that's what really was I found compelling is with Fern, she's she's taking jobs because she still needs needs money to to make it. But the jobs she has to take, these are not, you know, they're temporary jobs. It's it's not that livable wage. It's people in these jobs. Struggle from, from day to day. And so it's she's made a choice to live this way. Whereas others, sometimes that's their only option is that's the only work that's uh, available for them. So, but it, it didn't, for me, didn't judge the people or the, the companies of how people will take these jobs that, you know, minimum wage and you're, you're, you know, dealing with whether it's beats or, you know, just struggling or you're, you're cleaning, uh you know, restrooms in a rest stop, all of those things, those are jobs that need to happen, but there was no judgment. And that's, I think one of the strengths of the film and, and, I think that that really touches on the, the core of this is that probably that that documentary style is we're going to present all this information and you, the audience, can form your own opinions about Fern, the nomads, America, all of this. It just gives us this to reflect on. And that's what I think what what works so well about it.
2: I love that. Can I put an addendum onto that? Just because yes. I loved everything you said so much. One of the strongest things about this movie, and potentially because I got so excited about what you said, I'm going to say the exact same thing, but it's slightly <laughs> different words, which is a horrible <laughs> thing that I have. But I don't think so. What I like about this movie is this movie is not about pity. We're not supposed to, if there's documentary was made about some of these people, it could be a real heartstring like, oh, look, look what they've had to do for instead. This is about a steadfast group of people who have found pride and dignity in their lives when their society and the way that their society runs is unable to properly care for them. That Wired article that I read uh, was about people that didn't, I mean, they just lost all their money because they invested it and then 2008 happened. These are not dumb people. These are not, I mean, and, you know, Fran worked at a place, uh, Fern, I'm sorry, Fran, Fern. She also says, like, check under MCD. Yes. Yes, I mean, everyone has pretty much their own name (laughs) uh, throughout the entire movie. Uh, But Sheetrock. Like working in a sheetrock, that's honest work. That's yes. good work. Oh yeah. Right. yeah. And yeah. just at some point, that's just not going to happen. That is unfortunately the society, like Steve said in the beginning, like, uh, capitalism. You are you are a victim of capitalism. But that's what I'd like is this movie wasn't showing like, oh, look what America has done. You can infer that if you want. Instead, it's such a human story. And there's so much life-affirming things in this movie, especially during a pandemic, when the one thing no one is doing that we're not supposed to be doing is venturing around. (laughs) It actually makes that type of lifestyle almost seem aspirational. At times, which is wonderful.
0: The film is based on a book that is a nonfiction book by a journalist, Jessica Bruder, called Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century, about these older Americans who, after this, after the recession, um, started doing this and working in seasonal jobs and stuff. So I think that lends to this idea. But it does also make me wonder, like, what are they able to do now? Like, how much harder has this lifestyle become because of COVID and the pandemic? Oh, and I'm right. I'm really curious now. Let's talk about some of these themes in this story, because I think there's a lot about there's it's a really interesting balance, I find Mm -hmm. that that Zhao is doing with telling this story. And it's it's non-judgmental like you were saying. And uh, but I mean, there's so many things we're looking at this, the whole idea of community, but then balancing that out with the loneliness that Mm -hmm. that she's feeling. And this whole idea of really being able to appreciate isolation and everything but also the potential danger of retreating too far and all of a sudden you're kind of this lost soul and everything and then like connecting with nature versus running away she brings up homelessness versus houseless uh and i think that i thought that was a really interesting point but i think a lot of it stems from i mean let's just looking at fern she's kind of entering this world. Well, I mean she's kind of forced into it because of everything going on, but I think so much of it and the reason she's here is because of the grief and the loss of her husband and you know she was she it hit me really powerfully when she was talking about why she never left town. When Empire closed down, she didn't leave and it was because her husband who had died there had no parents, he never knew his parents, he had no family and if she left that was like saying that he never had existed at all. And that's just like, uh, I mean, that—I mean, that's just one of those things that you hear and it's like, oh my God, that is just a horrible um, thing to feel about that, you know, and in that situation. And here she is now living this life of grief and loss and trying to figure out a sense of, of purpose and everything. I mean, it just, it really struck me. Uh, watching the film that there was so much of that in this
1: well it's it's what's interesting is that i see that sort of balanced by the contrast of the character of david who Wanted to do his thing. His son wanted to do his thing. He's like, and I guess I just, you know, forgot how to be a father. And it's like, he has that family, but he's chosen to do this. Where And so, you know, we see him reconnect with that family later on, but clearly here's somebody who it was a, it was a conscious choice to go live this. Whereas Fern sort of found that was her option because, you know, what circumstances put her in that position, whereas David actually chose that. Lifestyle. And I think there are many people. And again, we we get those contrasts. We get that of Fern's experiencing loneliness, but there's other people like you know, like Swanky. They they love that lifestyle and, you know, the, those unique moments she has where she talks about the swallows. And so we we have, you know, as you say, it is this this balance Um uh, and I think it's the presentation of those contrasts with all these different characters that we sort of see opposites, and again, without judgment, but saying this is this is how this world has. And it's for me, it's all sides of those pull the heartstrings of Fern, you know, the loss she's experienced, and then David reconnecting with his family and and moving back to that, and the son that he you know has not. You know, his son said he would, would, what, come to visit him every year, and now finally that there's a, a grandchild. I mean, there's so many things that are, I guess, honest and truthful in the stories of these characters. And this is a real son. Yeah. yeah right. Oh, right.
2: In real life. That's David's right there and son.
1: Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah.
2: And also then, the, I mean, it really comes... David Strathairn's character, David, (laughs) I could just – it's always the first one. Fran Fern is the biggest (laughs) deviation. Uh, David does reconnect and go back and find solace in that home. And the fact that Fern is given the keys to the kingdom. And then when finally alone, she's just – she doesn't take it. Uh, So it's – yeah, it's – I think it's searching for something. It's a mix of like – you're talking about – the different sides of stuff. It's a mix of like actively searching while also actively running away.
1: Yes. She couldn't yeah, leave right.
2: she couldn't leave Empire because of the grief. And then potentially she can't stop running yeah. or moving yeah. away because of the grief or because it might be I don't want to make I don't want to make Fern's experience just reductive in like she's just running away for something. Searching is also a big part of it. And she's meeting a ton of people. And like she said about her husband, her late husband, everybody loves her. This movie is the amount of time that is spent just looking at Frances McDormand, listening to people, is also matched by her waving to people off screen. Like she just, wherever she goes, she finds a community. And then she just needs Then she watches them, there's so many scenes also, she watches them slowly all drive away. I wonder if it's also some part of catharsis of like, maybe maybe I'm stretching too far, but like reliving, relitigating emotionally the loss of her husband Mm. and trying to come up with a a way to not control it, but to be on top of it, to make it okay.
1: That's just, she has people yeah. leaving
2: her throughout the movie, and then she's able to meet up with some of them again, and then some not, and stuff like this. But, I mean, it's a lot of – it reminded me, weirdly, of Ad Astra. I know it's oh. the, the
1: exact opposite of the movie, <laughs> but Ad Astra
2: is filled with scenes of Brad Pitt looking behind him for what he's leaving
1: it's summarized a bit in that little speech that Bob Wells has at the end when they're they're talking. He says, you know, because he's talking about the loss of his son and you know Ugh. being alive, and then of of saying, you know, you know, not really ever saying farewell to people because I, I may see them, them down the road. see them down the road. Exactly yeah, yeah, of that, yeah. you know, is is that part of you know? I guess where does Fern end the film? You know, because as you said, there's she's given the keys to the kingdom. at David's place, she's got that moment with her sister of she could stay there, but she's always moving. And, you know, I'm I'm trying to still distill down what where Fern ends at the film, what what choices she's made, or what decisions she made, or is she in a different place? And it's something I'm gonna have to think about and probably watch this again to really live through that with her again. And I'm looking forward to it, but it it is all of these. These choices in the different you know people she meets and the different ways they're experiencing it for me I mean coming back to meandering narrative it there is no point where I'm ever bored because there's always something interesting in the person or situation that she is in that i'm it's either i guess it comes back to how is she reacting to that, and that that's what keeps me engaged of you know because she's not. As we see from, you know, she's not like the most approachable person. She's kind of prickly. No. Yeah, (laughs) she is. Yeah, definitely.
2: I think she's actually incredibly approachable except for David's
0: character. Well, there certainly is a prickliness with him. And And I think there's a reason for
2: that. Yeah. Is I think because he is exactly. a male of a certain age that yes. is showing some sort of interest in her. True. And that's putting her maybe, she's, she's literally maybe still running away from things. And so that could be otherwise she seems like the most again, she's waving to everybody. Everyone seems to know her name wherever she goes.
0: She does have a distance with them, though. Like, you know, she she's very short sometimes when she's talking to people. And I found that uh, that to be kind of an interesting uh, personality trait that she carried throughout the film, because sometimes she's just very brief, very matter of fact about particular things. And I was like, oh, OK, that's the, an interesting way to portray that character. It certainly was heightened with David. But I I did feel that while she was very friendly, she did have that kind of I I felt like she always was still trying to keep the barriers up a little bit.
2: Well, that would make sense if she's also emotionally nomadic. Yes. That she was, she's more of a good, um, someone to wave to the people know her and she can go on these little things and she just has enough people to call on when she needs help. But everyone else, if you try to really get close, that's kind of like constructing an emotional house for her. All right. I got to settle down on these analogies.
0: Well, it's a, yeah, it's a really interesting point too that you brought up that she's always the one who's kind of the last one there, right? The last one to go, and she's the one that everybody else is is waving goodbye to as they leave to go do something else. And so that's an interesting perspective to bring because uh, it does make me kind of circle back to her that conversation that you brought up, Steve, with Bob and that whole thing about you know she's gonna as as Bob says, you know, I I I just know you know I'm gonna see my son down the road again, and you're going to see your your husband down the road again you know we're not saying goodbye to these people and then she a, after all of this she ends up going back to empire back to her house back to that amazing view from her backyard of the desert as she describes and i i i couldn't help but feel like with all of that she's kind of coming full circle and here she is back to kind of acknowledge that, you know, now she's saying goodbye to all of that sort of stuff. But then but then I wasn't really sure because I'm like, well, maybe she's not like I couldn't tell because then she's just back on the road. And I found that to be a really interesting way to end the film, because it's not like she comes back to David at the end of the film, which certainly would have felt a little more Hollywood.
1: We do after she visits Empire, we do get her that scene of her giving away all the stuff that's in the storage unit that's sort of like severing those ties because it was those things that she was still holding to. And I think that I took as a, you know, perhaps saying, you know, see you later to, to these things, these memories and not mm. being tied down to them. Because yeah. I mean, that's, that's where we start is, you know, with her going through the boxes and like the plates that her dad collected for, you know, when she graduated, you know, all these, all these memories to things in the past and to, to give that up and then move, Forward, And I saw that, par- you know, so to, for me, it paralleled what she saw Swanky do when it was like, you know, Swanky said that she posted all that stuff. People could come and get it. And she didn't need all that stuff because she was going. And when she, she was going to be going, you know, and she wasn't coming back. It was just forward movement. Her, her to, last trip. Her, her last it trip. And called. so, yeah. yeah. So I don't know that this is Fern's last trip, but it's, you know, I see it as cutting those ties to empire, to the memories and knowing that you can move forward with those and by moving beyond them, you, they don't stop existing. And I think that's, you know, what, what Bob was saying. And I, that's sort of what, how I took that, that piece.
2: I love that. I love that first because you brought up the plates. I wanted to say, you know, you're invested in a movie when a plate shatters and it's like a punch to your gut.
1: Right. <laughs> it
2: was that was so painful for me. And I was like, oh, my God, it's a plate. This movie has me in the palm. This quiet <laughs> movie like this is a movie. Like At one point, I was like, I haven't gone to my fridge to get more water. Like it's the quietest most patient, slow movie, and I could not take my eyes off it. I'm sorry, I just wanted to bring that up because that plate moment when that happens, it's like, <gasps> and then you're like, oh wait, it's a plate. But no, they've they've done the work. This needed. What I wanted to add on to what Steve, which I thought was uh, was perfect, was also um, when she brought up when she was ta- describing the house to who was she describing
0: the house to? It was was the it Bob. potentially wasn't it Bob? Oh no no no! It was and was it the homeless kid? No, it was no. to um, it was to so um, David's. It was to David's oh, daughter-in-law, da- daughter-in-law daughter yes. on the front yeah. porch. Yes. Right, yes. Oh, yes. great yes. memory,
2: great memory. Um, uh, when she's like, "It was nothing special," you know, we loved it. But then the the view going through her, going back into that house, I felt like a final sort of exorcism of because the house looked dead. Not haunted, not haunted by memories. It looks, it's such a reminder of like a house isn't a home until there's life or something there. And it was filmed really not like overtly, but really cleverly, like gross. Like you could, it was never filled. It was always like sort of a little bit up and down on the floor. So it felt more oppressive than it was. There's like a coat hanger. There's nonsense and all this stuff. And then she goes out to that final vista, which I 100% thought was going to be the final thing of the movie when she walks off. And I was like, oh, right. But then just that final, because if you take that as an exorcism, well, she's not going to stay there. She's not just going to wander the grounds. Fern's getting back on the road. <laughs> That's her journey. That she, it's like she just, uh, to match what Steve said, she now knows what she wants and what is important to her. And it's it's never indoors. It's never indoors in a staid place where you're not moving around. There's There's so much of this movie that is so... Heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. Like that the first time, the the first time that we see her celebrating, quote unquote, celebrating um, New Year's Eve, she's alone in her van eating soup, but wearing her little Happy New Year's crown, and you can hear fireworks off in the background. And that's, at first... If it was filmed differently or with a different actress, with a different director, that would just be the saddest no-one-came-to-my-birthday-party thing in the world. But instead, it was both heartbreaking and heartwarming because it was like she, she put on the little crown. She's doing fine. She's, she's not wallowing. She's still celebrating. That's, there's something very life-affirming about that in a way that I have even trouble understanding I just think this, the, the script and the director, I'm surprised to know that there was a script. I mean, so much of this must have been improvised because these are real people.
0: From what I read, I mean, Chloe Zhao, she adapted it herself and edited this. Like she was completely hands on. Oh my god! I know, and and she uh, she said that it was a very difficult uh, challenge because she had to balance this idea of of creating this aimless type of story with something that was still entertaining and that could actually feel cinematic. And so it was a, I, I wow. she said, it was a, it was a very tricky balance trying to find that. And I can imagine, um, and it was, it was shot very independently you know it was uh, I mean they still had 4 months to film it but still very small crews and everything so i don't know how much extra footage she was working with i don't know if it was just a bunch of you know improv and stuff
2: it feels like the kind of movie that there were acres of footage like with a normal maybe i'm still comparing it too much to a documentary but but the fact that she also edited it makes the most sense and also is terrifying. Because <laughs> I thank God her vision is so clear. Because there's this could have been a Vincent Gallo off the rails in an instant <laughs> thing <laughs> of just like up your own ass kind of thing. So that's remarkable. Remarkable. Yeah.
0: Your comments were um they they really I think were really point on point about this idea of her being comfortable with her Isolation at, at that New Year's moment, but what I loved about that was the comparison with the following year when we get it, and oh. it still isn't very big, you know. She, but she's still wearing the little yeah. the little thing on her head, but now she has a sparkler, and she's she's, yeah, and she's she's right. and she's just walking through the park saying Happy New Year as she goes down. And so I think that there it's a really interesting balance of you know being comfortable with being lonely, but then also uh, being isolated when you're in a community and i i don't know i just i i found that to be just really powerful the way it was portrayed yes yeah so uh francis mcdormand uh i mean she's just she's great already i think we all
2: all, (laughs) she's all right (laughs) yeah
0: what what i really appreciated about this is that there is no one credited for the film for the hair and makeup department which tells me that oh. everybody was doing all their own stuff we see her giving herself a haircut in the bathroom at one yeah. point yeah i she's clearly she not wearing makeup yeah right, she gets swanky and haircut. she she's we we never see her really made up in makeup she just looks pretty uh authentic and, and raw the whole time as does everybody else and yeah. i really appreciated that and this was something where i mean I mean, in the pre-show chat for the show, we were talking about uh, three billboards, and that's a film where it's Frances McDormand, and she's like the on fire Frances McDormand type of performance. I find it really rare. As I think about her career, I'm like, do we see her performing so quietly that often? Can you think of anything else where she's acting this this subdued? That's a good. That's a great question. I just I and, and maybe it's because of my sense of her in all of like the Cohen work that she, she can be so big and comedic and funny. Um, You know, going back to something like North country, maybe I, I mean, I, I can't remember her character very well in that, but I know that she has played quieter, I guess, but I don't, I don't feel like I've ever seen her play this quiet. And I was frankly stunned by how simple. magnetic. Yeah. Ugh. Like I just could not take my eyes off of her. It was It was really – it was a stunning performance, I thought.
2: I thought so, too. I get to uh, – I love repeating things that I've already said. Uh, <laughs> the amount of time that we see her just listening. Yes. And I'm still just like – yeah, her face is – and she's doing so little, which is great, which is just so great. She's not – you could be listening. I mean, she just seems – She's like the perfect person to make this feel like a documentary. She just Mm -hmm. seems like a really nice – she seems like everyone's coolest older grandma who never settled down for something. It might be rude to say grandma. Let's say little sister. Whatever. I'll go too far the other way. (laughs) Um, But just like – but uh, the idea of she just seems like she'd be a really good friend to certain people and then a really good person to sort of know for other people. And she mixes in – like I feel like she's, she is also one of the things – I'm not sure the best way to say this. She has downshifted a little bit in what I believe is her intelligence or her personal sense of humor in order to fit in with some of these people. Like it just seems like a little more folksy than what I would assume Francis McDormand would be. Not that she's like Anne Hathaway or Gwyneth Paltrow or something like that, but just sort of like, but it, but it seemed effortless and it seemed very natural she just immediately just seemed like someone that you would just be able to walk up to and see and would just be like the most normal, down-to-earth person in the entire world. With her sense of humor and the way that she's like chasing her friend with like gross underwear they found. <laughs> but it's completely believable. It doesn't feel like acting or like, look at me, how brave I am. This is an incredibly brave performance that seems effortless feels effortless because it feels so lived in and that's really rare
0: i don't know why this moment stuck with me so much but i loved so much when she's on the tour of the badlands with uh with david as the tour guide and then she sneaks off because she just like needs a moment of just like she just wants to be like the adventurer or something it's like i'm not even sure because they never really explained it but she just like runs off because she just needs to get out there for a little bit and i'm like that was just such a like an interesting character moment that we had that doesn't have to be defined. It's just there. And I just, I, those moments happen throughout the film and they just, I don't know. It really struck me with uh, uh, just the power of it.
2: That's a part of the doc to, again, to say the same thing over and over again, the documentary feel, it doesn't feel like this film is there to explain things. It's there to observe. And a lot of movies don't do that, and when they do, it's mumblecore, and I lose interest almost
1: immediately. Anyway. <laughs> and for this one, I was like,
2: "Yeah, observing two jerks on a park bench talk about hipster things." I don't care, but she's so filled with life, it all it makes me feel like there is a world where she just in the middle of that take did just take off. And because it's such a minimal crew and it's outdoor lighting, they're not setting up lights on this thing. The director was like, "All right, we'll follow her."
1: Yeah, exactly. Follow her, That's a, re-finder,
2: yeah. follower, re refinder. Right, like right. do this stuff. It feels like it could just happen on the day, which is
1: outstanding. It was interesting because I, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm going back to Swanky telling her, you've got to, you've got to be prepared. And I thought she just went off. Is she going to get lost? Is she going <laughs> to be stuck? And then I thought, and so that I'm I'm like, okay, is what lesson is Fern going to learn? And the lesson is David's there watching, making sure she's safe. Yeah, because she's out there and then and then he's way back up there and he's like, what'd you find? And she's like, rocks. And it was, you know, (laughs) it was that sense. I think part of it was that sense of freedom, isolation. I'm off on my own. But. Then, you know, followed up by you're still not. You're still still there's yeah. still somebody there. There's always somebody there.
0: Not just somebody there, but somebody, <laughs> somebody there who who cares, cares about you. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That was I think the the for me the the difference that I yeah. felt. Because that's where also their relationship seems to start strengthening, you know, yes. as, as they yeah. start to kind of connect more. Uh well and and let's talk about David Strathairn in this part. I mean, I I've always loved him. I find him to be such an interesting actor and this seems like like the sort of film that he would be in you know i mean i mean obviously there's amazing things like good night good luck and stuff but i don't know i he fit this world to a t like he was just so great in this in this film
1: it's just uh, yeah effortless and natural again just like everybody else and it's it's one of these things where even though these two are familiar faces and you've got a bunch of just you know, normal non-actors, these two just just fit in there because he can just play that like the neighbor next door type of, you know, every man type of guy. And for me, I, I was I was concerned when I saw his name in the credits that I'm like, oh, are we going to have these two in this relationship and it's going to be the folks? And they. he just felt like another person. It was It was what felt so true and honest about it.
0: I think that because he's, I, maybe it's because I've, I associate him so much with like uh, John Sayles types of films that he fit mm. really well in this world. Yeah. Because I, I think that John Sayles definitely has this sort of filmmaking direction often with his work. Yes.
2: There was one other actor that I thought could play that type of role, meaning you'd be like, oh, you're there, but it's not so jarring mm-hmm. that you're back to movie land. John Hawks. Doesn't he sort of – if you bearded him up, he'd be one of those people of like, oh, I know that guy, but it's not enough of like, ugh, now I'm – and also maybe like you won't feel like when you see him, oh, the rest of the movie is going to be about them wooing each other. He might just be around because he's so – gosh darn interesting
0: good call though john hawks is the sort of person who would be great in this film and uh, and you know we all know if he was he would be called john because
1: yes, he would. That's, that's, <laughs> exactly.
0: that's how this film works Yes. um well, and let's talk about all these real people. I mean, there are a lot of real people, and this is something that that Chloe Zhao does. This is her, I think, third feature film uh, she did, uh, Songs My Brothers Taught Me, and um, The Writer before well, this, I and seen any of those. both of which—I saw uh, the first one, Songs My Brother Taught Me, uh, which is a very powerful film. Both of her films, um, those films were about life kind of on the, on the res, and— and so it was a, a, a you know a lot of real people that she would cast in those particular stories, and that seems to be something that she's really attached to. And uh, you know I don't know. I mean, obviously she. What I read were people like Swanky, people like uh, Linda May and and Bob Wells. Like those people were uh, real. Nomads. They, they cast like a lot of these real nomads. And then they kind of, obviously, they did some casting and found ones that could handle it and then kind of fictionalized stories for them. But, I mean, I, I was so impressed with the way that these people carried off these performances. It, I mean, how did it work for you, uh, you two? I mean, it sounds like it worked well. 100% documentary. Casting casting these people, yeah. yeah. Right.
2: And it didn't feel sometimes some of what I brought up, um, Ben Affleck, because he uses whenever he does, you know, like the Boston, town. yeah. Yeah, there's always like a montage at the beginning. You're like, yikes, rummies. Um, but uh he uses the word rummies, so I'm allowed to write that. Uh, but <laughs> it feels a little bit stunty. Like they're not really given stuff to do. They'll just pan to someone who's next to the other guy at the bar that's doing this. And he's got the huge cauliflower nose. And you're like, okay, well, that's cool. Like it's authentic and maybe toss that guy some bucks. But these people really were like, that's one of the reasons that I was obsessed with the idea that she edited of like how many people didn't make the cut. Because you, if you're just sort of like <laughs> – talking to normal people in this thing even with such a great listener as Frances McDormand I believed that they knew her I believed that they knew Fern across the board it didn't feel like stunty it didn't feel like oh this is the part with the real people and this is the part with the not real people it was I thought it was remarkable and I just what what is the vetting process can you do you really do auditions for nomads for being nomads, that actually seems like it could be accidentally reductive. It's a very fascinating process that I just assume involves a ton of footage that we'll never see, but maybe (laughs) I'm being cynical. Maybe just having people tell their own story that that's what's missing is when we put real people in fake narratives that that's when they seem like they're acting. But Mm. if you let like Bill at the end I have to imagine that that's his, Bob, I'm sorry, I have to imagine that's his real story. It
0: felt it, yeah.
2: Is it not? I mean, I I felt like, I feel like he's a, I'm assuming he is a real person who actually did that. The way that his uh, voice gives out when he says uh, life and took his own life is, it's hard to act that well, that honestly. And so,
1: yeah. yeah. I'm assuming that's a, a a true story but yeah he is a real person and he's got his whole YouTube channel about yeah. sort of like RV living and I I wonder how much of the the those those performances came from you know, because I'm reading the IMDb trivia section, you know, that Frances Dorman actually worked, you know, many of these jobs and that for a short period of time she was living out of her van. So how much was it of her embedding... Oh, she
2: really met these people. Right. Oh. That that, it,
1: that she may have been, you know, sort of like, for lack of a better term, embedded in those communities. You know, like, so at Quartzsite, yeah. you know, so that it, again, this, you know, how do you uh, approach these people? It, it reminds me of, uh, gosh, back when I was I was at uh my wife and I went to a summer like art camp whatever and uh oh. she 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 was she was taking photography classes and they had an assignment to go into town and like do like you know just get photos of real people and so they went to like a biker bar and like it was a small group of them that went she just hung out everybody else took their pictures and left and she just hung out. Um, and got oh, to know me. this got to know this woman candy that you know just rough around the edges you know you know bar regular, and she ended up getting a couple of pictures, but it was just she got to know these people because she treated them as people, not as an assignment. And so she got some really interesting photos. And I think that's what I'm assuming that for this, something like this to feel real, it's not like, Oh, you know, Francis McDormand comes out of her trailer. We're going to shoot the scene with these people like extras that she, you know, again, it comes back to, I think the approach and style to this story of that documentary style of she's got to be living this life. I think to get, the connection with these people to a certain extent that's that's the way it feels that's the way it feels to me yeah
2: i'm sure she worked at that amazon supply store for like a while because just showing up with like hollywood stuff it wouldn't feel at all like that but she's interesting of course of course that's so that's so smart that you said that and now that you've said it it seems like the most Obviously, obvious thing, thing. The world, but you <laughs> win because i had not thought of it at all but i'm sure they embedded her and i'm sure that francis mcdormand wanted to do that yeah and sure for yeah. a lot of these people francis mcdormand isn't the type of actress or actor that you'd be like
0: right Yeah, exactly. M. like yeah. she could just
2: <laughs> and, and with her hair done like it is and the no makeup and stuff right she can just be in any person
0: exactly, exactly. yes so exactly. smart yeah, yeah. And I think that is one of Chloe Zhao's biggest strengths when she's doing something like this, is finding a way to get these real people to connect, even when it is, you know, involving somebody like Francis McDormand, like David Strathairn. They just like everybody felt authentic and there was this authentic connection. And it was like really um, exciting to see. Somebody like Francis McDormand doing this because it just yeah. it really did feel yeah. like she was of this world, and exactly. uh, I don't know, just it struck me quite a bit.
2: I wonder how much of because the one thing that would be the hardest to get over in that situation is the cameras right there. Mm-hmm. That's why sure. like Errol Morris does his oh, uh, yeah. documentaries yeah. with the yeah. right so yeah. you're actually looking at his face right. reflected in the thing. I wonder if the ace in the hole for at least this picture was Frances McDormand, in that she's such a beautiful listener. Yeah. That she she adds so much humanity, real humanity, not actress humanity, into it that they kind of forget that they're not just –
1: yeah. Then they're just telling a story. And the equipment's maybe. so much smaller now. I mean, it's not like, exactly. you know, you, right. you can be so much less intrusive with a high quality, you know, camera versus, hold on, we're shooting in Quartzite. Let's lay down the dolly track because we're going to no. be moving this camera. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. it, exactly. can be, it can be somebody just even off to some, the side. Even the
2: steady cam stuff, yeah. I bet, is yeah. like, is almost nothing. Yeah. Because there's so much steady cam in this movie. It's beautiful.
0: In this world of these nomads, you're also looking at people that I think a lot of them are, are in this world for reasons that they probably don't want to have cameras in front of them, right? Yes. And and it's like, it's like this place. It made me think of. Encounters at the end of the world. So Werner Herzog did this documentary, Encounters at the end of the world. And that's another story that is about people who are living in a place where a lot of them go to because they're trying to escape. They're trying to get out of this system that we're in. And there were some people that he interviewed in that that it really struck me that, you know, they needed to be in this space. And I can imagine Chloe Zhao going through casting, um, trying to find the right people and having a big balance of the right people who also were willing to be filmed because it's a, it's a big ask to get somebody like, you know, Swanky or or uh, yeah. Linda May to come on board in, right. you know, pretty strong supporting roles. Yes. Yeah. Linda yeah. May, especially. Yeah. Or yeah. Bob, who has to really yeah. be emotional. I mean, that was a, a very powerful scene. Very powerful. Like you said, Tommy. Um, so Chloe Zhao, uh, you know, What a strange choice to have her doing the the next uh, Marvel movie. She's doing the Eternals. Um, I, I sounding like an
2: onion article, like I don't, I have trouble believing that. But that's amazing. What What are the Eternals? Are they like super superheroy CGI stuff, or is it more like it's it's legion
0: gods who have lived here forever and who are it's more of a connection to kind of the, the galactic sort of storytelling rather than just the um, kind of just, you know, heroes on earth sort of thing. This takes it back out into the, the galaxy. I don't know anything about the Eternals. All I know okay. is that Angelina Jolie is in it.
1: And Camille. Oh. Um, yes. Camille. And Johnny. Yes. Kamil, yeah. exactly. He's, yeah. he's, oh, in that's it. What that, he's been
2: bulking up for. That's the one yes. He's been bulking oh, up I for no exactly. Idea. Oh, I never, I never thought to ask. <laughs> I was like, why is Camille? Why is so, a thirst trap now got it okay yes right. well
1: you guys okay. are at the gym together and you just you didn't think to ask because you're on the treadmill next to him of like hey exactly. what are you bulking up for exactly okay. <laughs> yeah we just talk about video games
2: all the whole
1: time right right um uh, so
0: but i i think it's funny that she's directing that It's it'll be interesting yes. to see what she brings to the table i did like the little nod that when fern is walking through town and passes the movie theater that the avengers <laughs> is playing there i thought that was oh, kind of funny, funny. yeah right yeah. okay there were some questions I had. I, I wonder what you two thought about the way that there were a, f- a few points in the editing that obviously, uh, Chloe was <laughs> close with since she was doing the editing where we had this beautiful music throughout the film, um, and there were a couple points where it is a hard cut as the music ends and we're thrust back into the real life. The one that really stood out for me is like all this great music of Fern traveling and stuff. And then all of a sudden she's shutting the, ver- the van door and it's like a hard cut, no more music, and we're thrust into the real world. And I think that might be where she's getting gas and her van breaks down. Um, I can't remember exactly. But um, did, did either of you catch those moments? Did it stand out to you at all?
1: I mean that one did stand out because it's like we're coming out of like montage into like into reality, and there there are several times, but it 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 wasn't jarring that it drew me out of the film. It just again, I feel like you know I'll come back to you know as Tommy said that documentary feel of things of we're in a different place. We're in a different sort of like mental headspace with Fern at, at those times of having to deal with life versus the I'm these, these other sort of moments. And the music is so beautiful and we've got some great scenery. All of these things have sort of like, here are the, the benefits, the perks of being a nomad of you get these unique moments where you're just, you know, walking through a stream, enjoying nature. And then you've got these, you know, the 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 obstacles that come up. So yeah. it, it worked for me structurally. I think you know, it just felt it felt right for the film.
2: I agree. Uh, I think it's a nice. Uh, it's one of the few cinematic flourishes that is used to sort of. Show the dichotomy of the mysticism and the lyricalness of life on the road. Because look at this vista and this 19th sunset that we've seen in this movie. And then also, oh, right, I have diarrhea now. Oh, right, I'm peeing in the field. Like there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like rough parts where all of a sudden you're like, oh, why are we seeing this? Oh, because we just spent like half of the film is a sunset and half of the film is like, I'm freezing. Right. Yeah, yes. and that's what. Yeah, it's neat. I think that's that's an important thing, um, and I like it that it's that that's as far as the film goes to really use a cinematic trick to show you that kind of stuff. And also, I don't I don't remember any music until like twenty thirty minutes into the movie. Is that true?
0: I feel when you're right. I heard yeah. The
2: first song cue, I was like, oh, right, music.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> this, movie, I, this movie was so weirdly enthralling, I forgot how things are done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like it was, and I, I can't remember exactly, but I think you're right. And I feel like it was maybe after she leaves court site and she decides to actually become a nomad and go on the road. Yeah. Like maybe that's where it started. I think that, so. It feels yeah. right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which
2: would make sense because that is her. Cinematic journey.
1: Yes, sure. If you're going to
2: bring in any kind of cinematic flourish, it's when the hero begins the hero's journey finally.
1: Yeah, right. Look at Tommy getting old Joseph Campbell on us. Yeah, brilliant. I'm a man
2: of a thousand faces.
0: (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I the way that you were describing that the the DP Joshua James Richards, who also doubled as production designer on this film, I don't know how he had the time. Uh, what? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, um, but he said he described his approach for the film as heightened super cinematic naturalism, and I can't help but feel like that's wait, why wait. he that, enclosed out all,
2: the, all those words cancel each other out. Say them again. <laughs>
0: heightened. heightened super cinematic naturalism.
2: So just. The like the best version of a stripped down situation,
0: I think that's what he basically means. Like, it's like, as I'm not natural, I'm going
2: to throw up lights, but I'm going to like do a beautiful, um, uh, steady cam move.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I can to capture it in as natural a state as possible. Uh-huh. Is the yeah. way that is the way that I interpreted that. that. Yeah. Wow, and yeah, I thought I, the camera work was beautiful yes. and and the camera work. I, Paired with the music, especially like when that music, uh, Ludovico Einaudi, I, I thought that was an interesting credit. It was like featuring the music of Ludovico Einaudi. Right. So I'm assuming it was just other pieces that oh. that he that Ludovico had done. Uh, when the music was paired with some of the camera work, it just was like I. It was like floating. Like it really just created yeah. this kind of just tone. It was just it was special. It was really great. Agreed. Yeah do you, Do either of you have anything you want to say about um, the whole journey that Fern has when she has to go visit her sister? Anything in there that you either of you want to talk about?
2: I have a very pithy thing to say is the one thing that I, that I noticed was that it was the most time of the most lockdown shots
1: mm. of the entire mm.
2: movie, almost as if she was in a cinematic prison that everything else is like you were saying, floating. Yeah. constantly floating, moving around, showing her and almost throughout the entire sequence, especially when she starts walking up the, the first time that we see the whole house when she's walking up to her oh, yeah. before she does the thing. I was like, why does this seem jarring? Oh, because it's not floating. It was just a lockdown huh. shot, one that are a thousands in every movie. But this movie, it really sort of made it feel more oppressive. For me, ironically, more oppressive. What a weird way to make, me, to make me feel that way. But that's what it did, is it made it feel less magical, less lyrical, and just more straight up down, this is a non-magical life. Steve! Well,
1: for, for me, it, it was an interesting part of insight into Fern as a character, because we, we know she, she had a normal life. You know, if she was married, she had a regular job. We see that interaction with the family early on. You know, she was a substitute teacher or tutor, or all of those things. And so when she has that conversation at her sister's house and the, the, you know, the friends of the family, they're talking about real estate and she you know presents her opinion of like how you know what how you,
2: dumb the american dream is well, like yeah
1: how can you be celebrating that you convince people to invest their life savings to basically go into debt for something right. and so i i don't know how much that plays into her own trauma with everything and how much debt they had for their house with that that great view but it so it's it's she's embraced some of that nomadic lifestyle, you know, perspective on the American dream. But also that's the point where I see, I, I was thinking she's not comfortable staying there because she's so used to, I thought, well, if you've been living in a van for for months, wouldn't it be great to be, you know, have a nice night in a nice bed in a nice house? But she, she can't be comfortable there. And at, I was torn with, is it... Conflict with her sister. She can't be here. She can't be in this room. Is there, is there some memory? Is there something going on? But it just, it for me cemented the fact that Fern was at that point of no return where she can't, she's not able to go back to, you know, if she was able to get a like full time job, I, you know, she's already turned the corner. She's embraced this nomadic lifestyle. She's not going to come back to that no matter what. And I, that for me, that was that pivot for her that although she we'd seen her doing all of this she'd made that leap and now was fully embracing this and there was there was no coming back for her and so that, that was a, a for me a critical part of her her journey that you know again so many pieces when you say the story is Mandarin, but meandering but everything builds so precisely of you know Something as, as little as, oh, no, she's got car trouble again, to now it's going to cost you $2,300, and this van's only worth five grand, so why don't you get another one? No, you don't understand. I live here. And, you know, all the things she's, she's made at her home, and then that follows up with borrowing the money from the sister. All of these things, it's, yeah, there's not a major conflict driving, but every little obstacle, it's like she hits a barrier and then allows her to move forward further in her journey. And that, that piece for me was critical just to understanding her mindset in, in embracing that nomadic lifestyle.
2: Right. She was given, I forgot about the car thing. That was another out, right? Yeah. She's given three to five significant outs of this is get out of here. Like there, you don't have to keep doing this and it's just not for her. Yeah. The biggest one being of course, David's house, David's son's house, whatever.
0: Yeah. Right. But, but, but a place of peace, a place of welcome, you know, with the great Thanksgiving scene and everything, the, the beautiful piano duo between father and son, like there were so many things there that were just saying, stay here, stay here. Yeah. And, but it's just not for her. It's not the life that she is looking for at this point in, in her life. And uh, yeah, really, really strong stuff. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start wrapping this thing up. Um if if you were ranking this thing on Letterboxd Letterboxd, we love uh you know they offer anyone who listens to the show a discount on their Pro and Patron memberships. You just go to the slash letterboxd and you can get the the lower rate by doing that. So, um if we were to rank this over on letterboxd.com out of 5 stars and then of course the Letterboxd heart, where would you all sit with this one? Tommy
2: I give it uh, out of five, 4.5, happily 4.5, and an enormous heart. Uh, I thought this movie was an extraordinary experience. I think I used the word extraordinary too much recently, Uh, but uh, this movie was really, really affecting and also gave so much of a voice and a personality to a people that were not on my radar. And these are people that... We may be seeing much, much more of if America keeps going the exact way that it's going. Um, hopefully it will not, but either way, uh, and the fact that I, I did not, this movie was not just about feeling sorry for them. This is an empowering, empowering movie, but also showing the harsh reality of their situation. Four point five and a heart. You just asked for numbers, and instead I gave you a paragraph. The end.
1: I love it. That was great, Steve. What about you? I am also at four point five and a heart, <gasps> and oh. I, I I was going to ask Tommy. I'm like Tommy, why not a five? And then I thought, well, I have to. Ask myself that same question of why not a five and for for me it is it's not anything that's a shortcoming of the film it's like because as we've said it doesn't it doesn't take a specific stance on so many things so it's hard for me to be like yes this is reinforcing something that i believe or feel and so it's, it's i'm feeling validated by it it's challenging me and i i think maybe i'm going and and rewatching it again maybe but because I'm, i i still feel like i'm wrestling with this material usually five is like, yes, this is my favoriteest movie ever. And it, it, it checks all the boxes. I have no quibbles and it. It's validated or reinforcing some belief or emotion. And this doesn't do that. And I, it, I don't think it's set out to. Um, I think it's something I'll wrestle with and grapple with. And maybe on a subsequent rewatch, I may come down one side or the other, uh, maybe stay with 4.5 or, or move to five. But it is definitely, I think, one of the Far, you know, best films that I have seen in a very, very long time.
0: I, uh, I feel I'm right there with you. I I also am not 100% sure why I'm not going to five stars because I think that it could be a five star film and maybe on, on more viewings, this could easily land there. Um, but I, I found this to be a very affecting film. And so, four and a half with a heart for me, too.
2: I know why we're all voting four and a half because if that? we bet five, that's the end of the journey. We're oh. saying we might go back in. Yeah. Rewatch the movie and it's still flowing. It's all lyrical nomads what?
0: Yeah. I like it. I like it. Uh, this is a film that I think people should see. I I think that it's a very affecting film. It's it is full of um humanity and I think that's something that um I'm curious to see how Chloe Zhao brings that to the Eternals. That will be interesting. <laughs> i just, just have to keep bringing that so up because it's, it blows my mind so much that she's, i love it i love the nice.
2: um i mean i would rather them go that way you know i'm not the superhero guy but i'd rather them go that way than with like the person that just directed the cool music video which is where we sure. got like a whole ocean of mediocre directors and then David Fincher.
1: I was just like, going to say, don't yeah, be bashing no. the music video directors, David oh, no, Fincher. Yeah. There have been some, but yeah. like for every David yeah. Fincher,
2: there's whoever yes. directed Swordfish. All right, well. <laughs>
0: All right, everybody. Well, that's it for us on Nomadland. Definitely a film that we all really enjoyed. Um, Don't forget to join our online community with fellow movie lovers. You can learn more at thenextreel.com slash discord. And if you're interested in supporting us to help us keep the lights on and get some great benefits while you're at it, you can head over to thenextreel.com slash membership. Well, Tommy and Steve, thanks so much for joining uh, me here to talk about Nomadland tonight on uh, the film board hondo everyone
2: this was my pleasure and you guys i'll see you down the road
0: well here at the next reel when the movie ends our conversation begins
1: Andy, according to my friend Internet, this is what Letterboxd is.